630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. So I got to see the Hatchimal. By the way, Alyssa, congratulations. You get the Sports Lovers Package, $2,000. Thanks to everyone today. You guys are awesome. $21,101 raised for 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous through our annual auction. Really appreciate it. So I saw a Hatchimal uh, unhatched. And then I went online and uh, went to the Hatchimal's website. Am, am I alone in finding Hatchimals a little creepy? I am alone. Oh, no. Patrick says I'm not alone. They are creepy. Patrick, what's your last name again? Uh, Bauer. Patrick Bauer. Yeah. One of our uh, relatively new studio operators here at 630 Chet. We do have Ryan Garbett coming up in a couple minutes. So the Hatchimal, to me... I don't. It's, what what do you do with it? You watch it grow, apparently. Um, but how does it know when to hatch? That's creepy. I don't know. This is, I hadn't heard of them before today. But I mean, do you eventually have to bury the thing too? Is it just like a real well, pet? Okay, Lana says to me, apparently it ages. Well, what, where does that usually lead, <laughs> or always lead for What's the all in, living things? The intended age range for this toy. Yeah, that's teaching kids a little too much, isn't it? <laughs> I think so. Uh, so the Hatchimal, and I was watching the video. I went to the Hatchimal's website during the news, and it says the so it comes in an egg. Like the egg's what, little smaller than a football? Yep. I would say. And it says the more you play with the egg, the sooner it'll hatch. So it shows this little girl like tilting the egg and moving it around, and then a little beak pops out. And the egg cracks open, and there's the little fuzzy Hatchimal inside. And it looks sort of like a combination of a Furby and a Gremlin. And I'm not comfortable with that. <laughs> I, maybe that's what a Hatchimal is. Maybe that's what the movie will be. It, the Hatchimal was like the, the spawn of uh, Furby and the Gremlin. The Hatchimals <laughs> are here to take over. This is the beginning of the Terminator. Skynet's next after this thing gets yeah. sentient. And then, yeah. like, we could make a Hatchimals movie and Bruce Willis or Tom Cruise has to fight them. Or we could have the Expendables 4. Hatchimals. <laughs> so it's all the cast of thousands from all the action movies. I'd watch it. I'm just saying, I'm not, I, the Hatchimals, I mean, when I was a kid, just, I don't know, we were happy just having imaginations. <laughs> We didn't have toys when I was a child. We just had to sit around and imagine what it would be like to have toys. <laughs> oh, the Hatchimal. All right, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. By the way, uh, I don't know if you saw this. Well, somebody's. We have people calling in. They might be complaining about the, the Hatchimals. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw today. Uh, Cam Cole. Long time, uh, 41 years in the sports writing business. He's the post-media national columnist. Used to work for the Edmonton Journal here in Edmonton. Did he work for both the Journal and the Sun? I remember him working for the Journal. Uh, legendary writer in Canadian sports. He is uh, done in a couple weeks. Of course, a lot of, uh, a lot of changes with post-media. The newspaper business not doing overly well, but Cam Cole, uh, an outstanding career. All right. Well, we do have a phone call after all. Jeremiah, is this about sports or about Hatchimals? This is about 
Corn. Okay, good. What's up? <laughs> Reed, this is kind of what I say about the whole kind of, it doesn't really matter what sport you're playing and stuff. Everyone has off nights, right? And True. It's the, coach's de- it's the coach's decision to kind of figure that out and try to figure that out early. If a person's having an off night, I don't think that they, even if they are a first-liner, you shouldn't give them 55 minutes to think that, oh, you know, maybe this this shift they'll get it going, maybe this shift, because before you know it, the game's done, right? If you're playing like crap, you should, if you're on the first line and you're playing like crap that particular night, you know, be expected to be bumped down to the third line or something, right? Guys that are playing good on the third and fourth line, Bump them up to the top line, right? Well, McClellan has done that, and some fans don't like it when he blenders the lines. Like everyone should be, everyone should be able to play with everyone, right? Like, really, we have a pretty deaf team right now. Everyone should be able to play with everyone. So, what did you think of the lines yesterday? I thought really good. You're comfortable really leaving good. Leon up there. If you're performing, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. It doesn't matter. Same thing as Mark. If he's producing, keep him like keep him on the power play because over six one night, holy, that's horrible, right? That was bad. That was the worst game of the year, I thought, against the Leafs. Like it's just it's just people in general think, oh, like you said, don't take them off the first line. Maybe Everly needs to go on the first line for a little bit. You know, not one period, maybe a couple periods. And make him actually work at trying to, you know, be a number one, not just, oh, well, it's granted, right? I'm pretty much on the first or second line regardless. Yeah. Is that fair to the rest of the guys that are, you know, busting their ass? I hear you, Jeremiah. Thanks for calling, buddy. Thanks, bud. Bye. All right, and we also have Brad on the line, and then we're going to get to Ryan Garbutt. Hello, Brad. Hey, uh, a couple of quick pointers. The worst game was the Buffalo game, in my opinion. Well, they're both down there. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you think they'll send Foley RV down? Actually, I don't. I th- I think no. they're gonna I think they're gonna keep him around. Now. Okay. Uh, that's okay. just Bye. my guess, though. I I I, I uh, look. We're this deep into the season. After Sunday's game, it's going to be a third of the way in, right? So yeah, no, you're just blowing a contract, waste a contract here. Yeah, well, they already have, right? So. Yeah. The main reason why I called is, you know what? It was nice to see Dry settle on McDavid's line, but you know, if there's two forwards on this team that are not struggling, it's obviously McDavid and Dry settle. Dry settle is the ideal second line center. Your big, thick center, and you know what? He's actually pretty good at it. What is he? Fifty-four? Fifty-four percent? He's uh, about fifty-two and a half now. Yeah, he's been doing very well. Yeah, but regardless. Based on the history of the Edmonton Oilers, since Bobby Adam Oates and Sean Horkoff here at Seoul, he's probably the best. <laughs> well, I agree. Well, he's yeah. he's going to be a Both really good face-off good. guy. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Here's here's my main point. Nugent Hopkins. Personally, I thought Nugent Hopkins, and you know, I'm trying to second guess it this year, but I've always thought Nugent Hopkins was the better player. Maybe not the one-shot shooter at Taylor Hall or the North Self skater, but I just think most a lot of our cycles down low died with Taylor Hall when it was Everly Nugent Hall and it very seldom died with Everly and Nuge so I always thought he was the the more intelligent player and he's a really good 200 foot player and he's in a funk right now and 
I'm more concerned about Nugent Hopkins funk than I am with Everly's funk. Because I think Everly's going to get out of it at some point. Nugent Hopkins is being very defensive-minded. He's doing really good at that position. But he's a first overall pick. The pressure of being a first overall pick, no one's talking about it now because the team's succeeding and McDavid is doing good. Yep. But pretty soon people are going to start talking about Nugent Hopkins' little funk here right now. Well, geez, I think, I think uh, Latestu won't have as many points as he does. Well, he has more goals. And, yeah. Here's my thing. He's a left shot. Centermen's play wing. Wingers don't make good centers. Have they? I'm sure they've thought about this. Why haven't they tried Nugent Hopkins with with um, with McDavid on the left side? Nugent is a left shot. Try Nugent Hopkins, and then you know McDavid and uh, Eberle or Pooley Arby. Yeah, I don't know. You know what? No one's ever asked that. I don't know. I I don't think they've considered that. But uh, well, but yeah, that's get, interesting. If anybody is going to get Nugent Hopkins out of this point funk, like two way hockey, he's there. He's yeah. one of our better ones. He's playing all the defensive faceoffs. He's not getting any offensive faceoffs, barely. Well, I can't say any, but he's barely. That's probably why he's point to his tougher. But why don't they put him with McDavid? Maybe. Well, maybe that's the next option. But they got some guys down down the left side, so maybe that's probably why. I think they want to let Nuge figure it out at center. Brad, I got to run. Okay, buddy. Thank you. All right, quick timeout, and then we're finally getting to Ryan Garbett next on Inside Sports. Please drop off a new toy for 630Chad Santa's Anonymous at any shopping center, Costco, Toys R Us, or Canadian Tire. Making Christmas dreams come true. 630Chad Santa's Anonymous. All right, Oilers and Ducks tomorrow night at Rogers Place. I'm pleased to welcome to the show a man who started his minor hockey career right here in Edmonton from the Anaheim Ducks, Ryan Garbett. Ryan, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to talk to you. Does, does it feel like you're uh, visiting a, an old home, your old stomping grounds, when you come back to Edmonton once or twice a year? Or what does it feel like to be in, in E-Town? Yeah, it's always great to come back to E-Town. Uh, I've been doing it for a few years now. Being in the same division now is great. and um, Always loved coming back here to play in front of the fans here. Always had great hockey fans and um I definitely always look forward to it. Well, I got to ask you a question. A lot of people are being asked. Then, what's your impression of Rogers Place? It's been great. Um, it's a beautiful arena. I got the uh, chance to come play here in the preseason as well. So, the second time I've got to check it out, and um, it's going to be fun playing in playing in front of uh, a loud crowd tomorrow night. Now, do you have friends and family coming? Are you able to get a f- get a few tickets for uh, for people you'd, you've known since you were a kid to come, or how does that work? Yeah, I've got a few buddies here that uh, actually have season tickets to come to all the games. They'll be coming. Uh, they can shoot me texts, uh, talking to me, reaching out. Um, I got my parents coming in, and my and my aunt lives here still, so uh, they're going to be coming to the game for sure. Now, do I dare ask you who the buddies cheer for when the Oilers play against uh, against the Ducks? <laughs> <laughs> they always cheer for me. Oh, good. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Good to hear. Um, so, so what? You lived in Edmonton until you were you were thirteen. So you would have started playing minor hockey as as a kid there did, here in Edmonton. What do you remember about that? Uh, I remember going to a lot of Oilers games. Um, I was actually talking to Andrew Cogliano last night about all the characters that he played with um, when he was coming up with the Oilers here and just uh, what a great group of guys they had. And uh, it was fun for me watching that group. I always loved going to games, and I took that passion from watching the Oilers onto the ice myself. And 
Um, with my dad being on the team on the radio as well, he also had me in the dressing room um, when I was a kid. Got to grow up around the rink, and I think that's really shaped me into the hockey player that I am now. So what teams do you really have first memories of? I mean, do you remember the, the 90 Stanley Cup? Does that does that uh, click in your, in your head at all? I was a little young for the Stanley Cups. So I was more of the late 90s when they didn't have the best teams. Yeah. Um, and then in the, in the early 2000s, um, I was definitely an avid fan, even when I was still in college and watching their cup run. And then getting a chance to play with uh, Sean Horkoff and Alex Hemsky in Dallas was pretty cool. Um, just seeing uh, how those guys uh, live off the ice and on the ice, how they carry themselves was just a real privilege for me and something uh, I'll never forget. Did you have a favorite Oiler player from that late 90s era? Well, my favorite Oilers were always Gretzky and Messier, but um, I had a lot of guys that I used to like as a Tekin, and he was one of my favorites. He just lived up the street from us in uh, South Edmonton, too, um, in the late 90s. Um, I don't know if I had a favorite. I was just more of a fan, fan of the whole team. Ryan Garbert joining us on Inside Sports. Your dad, Gord, like you mentioned, was was a was a team broadcaster. So you mentioned you had yeah. a little bit uh, extra access that that uh, than other kids might have. What, what do you remember just about your dad broadcasting the games? And and did you did you used to listen to your dad a lot when you were younger? Yeah, for sure. Uh, that was one of the things that I remember most is him having to go on the road for half the year and just having to live that lifestyle and I'd be staying at home with my mom and turning on the game, listening to him on the radio. It was like he was, he was uh, right in the uh, living room with us. So that was pretty cool. And then uh, that's something I'll definitely never forget. So you must have a lot of uh, Rod Phillips good memories too then. <laughs> yeah, yeah Roddy. Definitely have a lot of, a lot of memories from him. He was here for about uh, 50 years, it feels like. Yeah, I, I always joke with uh, Rod. He's always got something to say about the refs, right? Especially if, if the Oilers start getting the power plays. Um, Ryan, was, let me ask you this. I mean, you've wound up being a pro hockey player, which is the the dream for most young Canadian males. Well, and a lot of females can do it now too. Uh, but did you ever think maybe I want to go into broadcasting like Dad? No, I was always just focused on uh, on playing hockey or pursuing a business career. Those were the kind of two things that uh, I was focused on. And uh, fortunately, I was able to use my hockey career to get a college degree. And um, after that, just thought I'd take a couple years to pursue a professional career. And uh, fortunately, I was able to stick it out and make my way up to the NHL. And once I got a taste of playing here, I never wanted to give that up. Well, and I wanted to ask you about that because you're a pretty interesting story. Uh, junior A hockey, Brown University, CHL, ECHL. I mean, even seven years ago, probably a lot of people would have looked at you and said, well, no, this guy won't be in the NHL. What, what was your journey like? How do you think you were able to, to tough it out and eventually become an NHLer? I just enjoyed every step of the way. Um, I loved playing hockey and I'm uh, a type of player that can play on any line, so I was able to make the team as a fourth liner. I worked my way up onto the uh, first and second lines, and then uh, once I got called up, I would just adapt my game to the next level. I was never sent down from any league any time in my career, so I've definitely been fortunate for that. I think you raise a good point. I mean, is is that a lesson you would you would uh, you would tell a, a youngster trying to make it? Maybe not just in hockey, but in life be adaptable right always keep learning is that is that a big thing that you would say is your strength 
Yeah, for sure. You never want to get settled in your ways, and you always have to adapt. Um, I mean, if you look at guys now that can only play the skill game, it's hard for them to get called up because they need to be playing in the top six, and you need to be able to do whatever the coach asks you at any time, and I think that uh, definitely helped me along the way. The Corpus Christi Ice Race was your CHL team. Uh, what was it yeah. like playing hockey in Texas? I got to know. <laughs> it was fun. I mean, our rink was right on the Gulf of Mexico. Um, I tried out for the Manitoba Moose that year, and uh, Craig Eisner knew uh, Brent Hughes, the coach of Corpus Christi, and thought he'd be uh, a good influence for me to go play for. And uh, I'm definitely glad the way things worked out going there. Um, it was crazy how much they loved hockey in Texas, and then I got to see that firsthand in Austin and Dallas as well. But in Corpus Christi, it was more about the fighting and uh, just coming to the game to have a good time, and everyone would come and have a few drinks and uh, just come to party and watch hockey. It was, it was a big event down there. Well, I'm just going to give people your stats from that one year. 50 points in 64 games, pretty good. 204 penalty minutes. So your name was all over the score sheet, right? <laughs> one way or the other. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that maybe came from our coach a little bit. Like I mentioned, Brent Hughes, he would uh, get us fired up before the games. If we weren't playing well, he'd be he'd be punching the walls, trying to get us going. And um, I'm definitely one of those guys that uh, likes to get fired up. Wait a minute, that actually happens? A coach would play? I thought that was just in movies a coach would give those type of speeches. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he was passionate as, he was as a player, and he definitely was as a coach. All right, uh, Ryan, just a couple more for you here. Thanks for being so generous with your time. Uh, the Ducks coming into town. I know you played uh, about the last half of last year with the Ducks, and obviously you guys are off to a pretty good start this year. Is there, a, for you, the change from Boudreaux as the coach to, to Carlisle? Was that a big shift for you, or, or how would you compare and contrast the two guys? Um, they've been pretty similar. Um, I think that the way this team runs is... Uh, by the veterans and I noticed last year when I got traded or how hard this team practices every day and um, there's no off days when you go on the ice everyone battles um, and that just carries over in the games and I think that Randy's just kind of uh, kept things going as they were last year and this year we're just looking for a little bit more playoff success well, and in speaking of the playoffs, we're still pretty early in the season, but you know what it's been like for the Oilers over the last 10 years. Uh, the Oilers and the Ducks are tied for second in the Pacific Division. Is is it too early to, to call this a playoff race? Is it too early to call this a big game tomorrow night, or how do you approach it? Yeah, it's, it's probably too early to call it a playoff race game, but, I mean, all these games are important, especially against your division rivals, so um, we're going to have to be ready for it, um, especially playing in the... Uh, and the new Rogers Arena here, it's going to be fun. So I think that uh, it's definitely going to be ramped up tomorrow. Right on. Well, your buddies will be there, and uh, there'll be a lot of energy in the building for sure. Ryan, thanks for sharing some stories and helping us get ready for the game tomorrow night. Really appreciate your time, and all the best the rest of the year. Yeah, no problem. Anytime, Reed. Appreciate it. I'm Chris Ketzlaff. I'm Adarius Bowman. I'm JC Shirt of your Edmonton Eskimos. This season, please support 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous. Calgary and Minnesota tied 1-1 NHL action tonight. Six and a half minutes left in the first period. Stewart and Versteeg, the goal scorers, Canadians and Sharks still to come. 
Oil Kings, no score against the Saskatoon Blades, 11 minutes into the first period. And the Raptors lead the Lakers 101-75 with six minutes left in the fourth. Thanks to Ryan Garbett for the Anaheim Ducks for coming on the show. Great to catch up with him. A young man lived in Edmonton until he was 13. Gord Garbett, his dad, once a radio broadcaster for Oilers games. Really good interview. Was happy to talk to Ryan. And, of course, we told the Flames just scored. They're up 2-1. And uh, it was great to talk to Ryan about his journey to the NHL. You can get more on him on 630Ched.com. So Oilers and Ducks tomorrow, 6.30 face-off show. will drop the puck at 8. And the play-by-play voice of your Edmonton Oilers, Jack Michaels. Jack, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Always good to hear from you, Reed. Ready to roll for uh, a Bruce Boudreau daily double this weekend. <laughs> that's that's right. That's uh, That sounds like the, the feature at some racetrack or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure we're going to see uh, a whole lot of big numbers this weekend. Minnesota... At least the last time I looked was top defensive club this year. And, of course, the Anaheim team, he led to the the top ranking in that department last year. So, uh, you know, goals are going to be scarce. I don't think you're going to see a 6-3 score this weekend. But it's a vital weekend for Edmonton to keep pace with everyone else, particularly in the Pacific Division. Well, yeah, and that home record is so confounding. I mean, if you had told me – here's the thing, Jack. If you had told me at the start of the season – that on December 2nd, the Oilers would be 8-4-2 and two on the road and would have home wins over Washington, St. Louis, and Chicago, I would have been like, oh my God, they're probably first overall. But the home record's been a little confounding. Well, and, and really, I mean, you look at the two divisions as well. I mean, you've got one point out of four against Arizona in the Pacific Division and, and losses on the road. To Anaheim and Los Angeles, so you got to find a way to hold serve at home at this point because the Kings and Ducks already are one up on you, having held serve on their home ice. So I think uh, Saturday's game is is huge. And again, I think if the Oilers are going to contend seriously for a division title or to be a higher seed and to potentially have home ice in the first round of the playoffs, it is tough to do that by feasting solely on the three other divisions. You've got to win these games, and you've got to do it in regulation. And so, I, I, and more than anything, Reed, I also think there's a bit of mental work at play here. You know, to get over that hump, these are teams, Anaheim, Los Angeles, and for that matter, Arizona, with excellent records head-to-head against Edmonton over the last several years. Vancouver and Calgary, it's a lot more even. But these are the teams that you've got to beat mentally and physically to make this a true success. Well, and Anaheim is such a team that doesn't beat itself, right? And how many times have the Oilers lost a game and then they've talked about self-inflicted wounds? And then the Anaheim Ducks, to me, are the exact opposite. Patient, patient, patient. I mean, the Ducks are the team that says, we don't care if it's 0-0 with 10 minutes left because we're not going to screw up. So we're just going to wait for you to do it. And they, they, that's how they beat the Oilers four to five times last year, right? And, and I think they have that same attitude this year. Well, I, you know, you look at the last, I think, 10 trips to Anaheim, Edmonton's wound up with more than two goals exactly once. And this is a team that under Bruce Boudreau and now this year Randy Carlisle, it was evident in their 3-1 win last night in Vancouver. They are, as you point out, extremely comfortable playing in the one nothing, 2-1 type of games. Now, Edmonton has gotten better in that department this year. I don't think the Oilers have made nearly the amount of mistakes they have over the previous six or seven campaigns. 
but they're still not used to winning those low-scoring games on a consistent basis and against these opponents in particular. Again, I go back to Anaheim and L.A. They've been the bullies of this division the last five or six years. And I know San Jose was actually the team in the Cup Final last season, but it's been an Anaheim and L.A. dominated division during the regular season for more than a half decade now. And you've got to find a way to put that to rest and it starts with holding serve at home. And then maybe in rubber matches down the road, you're ready to kind of not only beat those teams, but if you beat them head-to-head and you beat them in regulation, more often than not, you're going to be in the driver's seat when it comes to winning the division, having home ice, and not making just a token playoff appearance. Jack Michaels, Oilers play-by-play voice, joining us on Inside Sports tonight. we got the Oilers and the Ducks tomorrow, and then we have the Oilers and the Wild on Sunday. Rare back-to-back home games for Edmonton, and then they hit the road for three. Jack, just to shift gears a little bit, we're into the uh, the holiday season, and uh, you're a father, so I, I don't know if you... Uh, now, let me ask you this first. Are you uh, get my Christmas shopping done early and wait, or are you going to cram and do it on the 23rd and 24th? I'm a crammer. There's no doubt about it. I, I, I've secured a couple of big gifts. Uh, I, I, so I'm a little further ahead than I normally am at this time. What do we got, about three weeks left? So yep. I, I'm in better shape than I normally am, but there's no question that I'm going to end up you know, buying a couple of gifts well after the 20th of December. And in fairness to me, a part of that is dictated by the hockey schedule, and it's been, you know, it's been a busy one. I mean, Edmonton's been churning out games day after day. I think the first time they're going to have two days off uh, in terms of no games played, it's going to be mid-December. So it's it's been a grind for everyone, and it's certainly uh, taken its toll on my holiday shopping plans. But I got one gift in particular. I finally caved, and, you know, I was thinking when I was a kid – my parents went ahead and got me the Atari 2600, and I was pumped. I had the real sports football, and back then the graphics were sensational. I mean, you had at least one bit of memory. It was fantastic, buddy. So I'm going to go ahead and, and cave and get my son a system for the first time in his 10-year-old life. He better earn it, though. I have the receipt in case he acts up between now and then. All right, well... Uh, I, usually, I would say I hope he's listening, but I guess in this case, I hope he's not listening, so we don't we don't spoil the gift. Uh, you know what? I was thinking though, Jack, and I just Brady is not productive yet. You know, <laughs> I, I got to be honest with you. He's a very disturbing talk show host, and he, your style has just clashed with his from the get go. I remember when he was four, he said, "You know." I don't know about this guy who's engineering Star for show. I, I've got I've got a beef with him, and so for the last six years, it's been very touch and go with him and you. Well, I'll, I'll keep trying to earn his respect. That's awesome. I, I just wonder. I mean, you want that? You want that ten and under demographic? Oh, it's huge I, to me. I, that is a coveted advertising piece. <laughs> I just wonder how many people from you are going to get golf balls for Christmas because I just want to share a quick story here. We ha- You and I have talked about some of the fun we had together playing at the quarry a few rounds this summer. I just remember that one hole where you, you hit one off to the right and you had to go behind this large mound in the heather to search for your ball and you returned to the fairway cradling about 
two dozen golf balls that you had found. Like, it's like you needed a shopping cart back there with you to collect all the balls that you found. You must have been the only guy who ever bothered to look on that part of the course. Well, the embarrassing thing about that, Reed, as you'll recall, is one of those balls was from a previous round that I had played. <laughs> and it was still sitting there after all this time, hoping that it would never be discovered, certainly by the likes of me. And, of course, it was. And, you know, I, I mean, look, I've had fun. I don't know whether you've had fun watching me, you know. I mean, I look. Most golf courses that we play are what about 65, 6,600 yards. I get about twelve thousand yards out of every round. <laughs> That's so right. My playing partners have to be exceptionally patient with me. I rarely, you know, the thing the, the thing that confounds me about golf is I have very poor ball flight. None of my shots, even the good ones, even the ones that turn out okay, look like an actual golf shot. It looks like I've either thrown it out there or fired it toward the green using one of those T-shirt cannons. It rarely actually looks like an executed golf shot as we're all supposed to know them. Well, I, I was patient with you because you had to watch me putt, so that was <laughs> that's how it yeah, even that, that one day, yes. I, actually, that one day I'm fairly certain... Uh, Tyler could have taken 20 bucks off of you on the greens. I, I, I've i never seen a guy punt like that, especially with a halfway decent game. As you recall, your key to green that day, I think might have been your best day all summer. But your putting, I honestly can't think of. You might as well have been putting with a pork chop. <laughs> well, at least I would have got a meal out of it, all the shots I missed. <laughs> Jack, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, I guess I'll see you at the morning skate, buddy. Thanks for weighing in tonight. All right. Take care. That's Jack Michaels. Love having Jack on the show. Uh, <laughs> the thing I love about Jack is I never know where it's going to go. We did start off talking about hockey, and by the end he was saying I should have been putting with a pork chop while we were uh, golfing this summer. And that his 10-year-old son apparently has a bit of a vendetta against me. Where, where'd that come from? <laughs> ah, that is Jack Michaels. He's a beauty. 2-1 Flames leading Minnesota late in the first period. Hey, this is great news for Sam Steele, Edmonton area product with the Regina Pats. He's the WHO leading scorer. He's been, been invited to Canada's World Junior Selection Camp, and he's going to join us next to talk about that. Here, 6:30, Chad Santa's Anonymous will make Christmas dreams come true for more than 25,000 less fortunate kids. You can drop off a new toy at any shopping center, Costco, Toys R Us, or Canadian Tire, or at Santa's Warehouse, the Jerry Forbes Center at 121-2268 Street. That big old World Junior Tournament coming up starts on Boxing Day. Montreal and Toronto co-hosting. This year, Will Sherwood Parks, Sam Steele, been be on the team. The Regina Pats star invited to the selection camp later this month in Quebec. Sam, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you doing? Doing very well. Congratulations on being named to the selection camp for the Canadian World Junior Team. How do you feel? Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely an honor. It's, uh, it's a goal of mine coming into the year, so for it to come to fruition is... Uh, is uh, it's uh, exciting. That's for sure. Where were you when you got the news, and what was your reaction? Uh, I was just at my 
billet house. I got the call, and uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was a pretty special feeling. You know, it's a uh, uh, you know, yeah, I haven't made the team yet. It's just a, a step in the process, so it's definitely ex- exciting. But uh, you know, just rec- still recognizing the you know the work that I'm gonna have to put in uh, once I get down to camp. Well, it is a step in the process. There are other steps in the process, Sam, and you were excluded from one of them, and that was the summer camp, which, you know, I'm sure you wanted to be at that too. So did that, you know, change your approach, motivate you, or maybe you just put it aside? I don't know. I'm curious how, how you uh, how, how you dealt with that and if it affected you going into this season. Uh, you know, I, I pro- you know, I, would have liked to have been there but it wasn't the end of the world to me you know i knew that uh it's not end all be all obviously and i thought if i just had a good start to the season then uh, i'd get you know hopefully an opportunity to to be in the camp in december and uh that's what i guess what happened so uh you know it uh i, I wasn't too disappointed in the summertime with that all right the world junior tournament is a great holiday tradition in this country i mean it's something people get excited about it's been exciting to watch the tournaments in canada every second year do you have a a favorite memory of of being a fan watching the world junior tournament is there a canadian moment or a game that stands out for you uh i I can't single it down to one i've always watched that tournament uh you know every every christmas when it came around and uh you know, when Canada was on that streak there, they were just winning gold after gold. Uh, those were all special moments. So I, I can't take a single one out. Did you go to any games when the tournament was in Edmonton? Uh, yeah, I did go to one game, and uh, they won. So it was a really cool experience. Oh, do you remember which one? Um, I think it was, I think it was against... Uh, I don't want to be wrong here. I think it was against USA. Well, that was New Year's Eve. I was at that one, too. <laughs> that was a fun yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right on. Sam Steele from the Regina Pats joining us on Inside Sports tonight. He's been invited to the Canadian World Junior Selection Camp coming up later this month. Uh, one of your teammates, Austin Wagner, also invited. What can you tell us about Austin? Oh, well, uh, definitely not surprised uh, that he got invited. You know, he's a, a really powerful, fast forward uh Creates a lot of offense that way, and uh, yeah, like I said, not surprised he's there, and he definitely deserves it. In terms of your season, I mean, going into the weekend here, you're leading the WHL in scoring. Why do you think you're having such a good offensive year, Sam? Uh, you know, I, I think just with the group of guys we have uh, on our team, uh, I think I've found some chemistry early with my line mates, and you know, special teams have been clicking, and you know, we've been winning a lot of games and scoring a lot of goals as a team. So it, it makes uh, things a lot easier when uh, you know, you're on a team uh, as good as we are. Well, you guys are 17-2-4, so I mean, you've only been beaten twice in regulation time. Just tell me what's – I mean, obviously I'm sure you had high expectations, but are, are you even like, wow, I didn't think we'd be this good? Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit. Uh, you know, I knew the kind of skill we had in the – in the locker room but you know you're never too sure uh going into the year what to expect but you know i i just think that the big thing with us is we just have a, a lot of great guys who love to win and uh you know I think we play hard every night and we've had some success so we just look to keep that up 
All right. Well, yeah, it's been an incredible run for sure. Who do you have this weekend, Sam? Uh, we got um, Prince Albert and uh, Swift Current. Okay, so playing a couple other Saskatchewan teams, so those are always fun games. And just tell me a little bit about your uh, your contact with the with the Anaheim Ducks, who are obviously going to be playing the Oilers here this weekend. And uh, you know, any anything they want you to work on, or any any comments they make about your progress? Um, you know, I think coming out of camp, they're just saying, you know, uh, just get stronger and try to get faster, and because you know it's. Uh, a fast game up at that level and there's a lot of big guys so i think those those are just the two big things that uh, i've been working on all right well i know you're working hard and i wish you all the best at the selection camp and have a great weekend and all the best going down the road here sam all right thank you very much for having me Sam Steele of the Regina Pats. Yeah, headed to the World Junior Selection Camp. Hopefully the Sherwood Park kid can make the cut. He was drafted by the Anaheim Ducks in the first round this past summer. Oilers and Ducks on 6.30, Ched, tomorrow. 6.30 face-off show. Game starts at 8. And then on Sunday, the Oilers host the Minnesota Wild. 6 o'clock face-off show. The game will start at 7.30. The Wild in Calgary trailing the Flames 2-1 after the first period. The other NHL game tonight doesn't start until 8. 30. The Canadians visit the San Jose Sharks. The Oil Kings trail the Saskatoon Blades 1-0 after the first period at Rogers Place. The Toronto Raptors win tonight 113-80 over the LA Lakers. Raptors 12-6 on the season. The producer of Inside Sports is Dave Campbell. The studio operator this evening Patrick Bauer. Are we going to be working together more, Patrick? He's nodding with a devious smile on his face. Well, that's good. The littlest hobo to take you into your weekend, everybody. Charles Adler tonight is up next. I'll talk to you from Rogers Place tomorrow. Have a good one. Maybe tomorrow I'll want to settle down. Until tomorrow I'll just keep moving on. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.